What did you tell me in the break, Chris, about music today? If you want dark music, if you about want to move for the Kings, I'm your guy. You are the guy. What do you call my music? Depressing. Man, that's depressing. That feels depressing. Smiths? Hey, look at you. Did that impress you? It did. Because I think every time I go, who are you listening to? And you go, the Smiths. And that sounded like the Smiths. That was depressing. <sighs> here we go. Final hour of the show. Jason Ross here with you. We go till 5 o'clock. Thursday night football. Ravens and Dolphins. Want to reset a couple things that we had right off the top before we do that. Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. All right. Well, if you're just joining us now, what we spent a lot of time on in the first hour was talking about two very troublesome things regarding the Sacramento Kings. So we'll reset those. Uh, first and f- first and foremost, the way the Kings played last night. And not just last night, really the, a couple games here. Um, no chance to win. No attention to detail on defense. Like, the things we've been saying, the things I said the other day when the Kings have played 10 games, so not the full season, obviously, not a, not a humongous chunk, but 10 games is a good chunk of basketball. And I really liked what I saw. I think you could explain some of the losses on on quality opponents in every game, chances to win, even the days like I look at the losses a lot. And I, I went through the Utah losses or even uh, those two. I thought they played their best in a loss. But the Dallas loss where they were so poor shooting, just almost historically bad, not quite that, but just couldn't make anything for four quarters. And yet they had a chance to win that to me. You don't like those days, but that that shows me like, okay, if they had made shots, they would have won. Like a few more. Not They shot below 40%. If you shot 40, which is a bad day, they, they might win that game. So they don't need to shoot 55% every game to win. I didn't think that's what they have looked like. They haven't had to have that. So I was encouraged by a lot of the way they had played. Uh, lately, didn't love the pacer loss. Hated the third quarter against Phoenix. And then all four yesterday. All four quarters and it just was bad from the start, never got better. I think the Kings feel like it got better, felt like it got better because they scored more as the game went along, but it didn't get better. It really didn't. And Fox goes for 37. Great. Awesome. Good to see him get individual numbers, but it didn't help in producing a game they could have won. And you just wondered for the first time, where was Barnes? Where was Holmes? That hasn't been a problem. And now as you go forward, tomorrow it's OKC. And news again, I guess, getting reported that at this moment, Tyrese Halliburton, Terrence Davis, Davis, both listed as questionable for the game tomorrow against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So that's a bit bit of an issue going in because obviously this team, I think, has some good depth. Their depth, though, shows up in the backcourt because they play five guys. Two of the pieces were gone, and it felt like that depth was slim. Uh, Buddy off the bench feels better than it does as a starter. The impact of him coming in and scoring, just there was no juice once the team was down 34-20. to It just didn't feel like, even though in a game like that, you can definitely come back, especially against the Spurs. Not when you don't get stops, and they showed that yesterday. Um, The other thing, so that's troublesome part number one. Uh, The other one is the report that uh, Sean Cunningham had about Marvin Bagley allegedly refusing to go into a game recently, and that was brought up to Coach Walton. Back to kind of Sunday's game, uh, I know I've had some folks tell me that Marvin refused to check into that game when called upon. I wanted to wait to hear from you uh, yeah. just some perspective or some clarity on that. 
Yeah, no, look, our guys all know. Look, this is what is expected out of us as a group. And, um, you know, we, we, Marvin and I are constantly in communication. And, you know, today was about San Antonio. And today was a, a very good shoot around. And we're, we're going into the night. But he and everyone else knows, like, we need everyone this year and everyone has to be ready. Did Marvin decline to go into yeah, that? Look, again, I'm not getting into the, anything that happens within our group is that's between our group. So uh, the thing that matters is people know, uh, know what's expected and that we continue to move forward. And tonight um, we got a very tough matchup against San Antonio and they're coming off a couple of days rest and we're at the beginning of a road trip. So it's a big game for us and we're, uh, we're excited about that opportunity. Marvin had to know what was expected. He had to. I knew it for him. You're not starting. You're not coming off the bench right now. You're not in the rotation. Be ready. There's enough veterans on the team. I'm sure that have said that. I know. I know there are assistants that have said that. And you've got to be ready. You've got to stay ready. And when your time is called, even if it's not on, I'll say, your terms, be the pro. Be the pro. I feel like there's an answer in there without answering. Luke didn't deny it. I believe it to be true. And it's a terrible, terrible, terrible look on Marvin Bagley. And it puts this organization in a difficult spot, not because there's this tremendous value in Marvin Bagley right now, but you don't want to lose him for nothing, but maybe you're getting to that spot where you're just better off if you have to move him for nothing or wave him or cut him but he could still be attached to another deal as someone that might be coveting a, a current player on the roster and not as much Marvin. It's just awful for him, a guy that I've wanted to root for. I want to have success. Uh, I get it from the beginning. I mean, we're so far past that he's not Luca. Of course he's not. That's not even an argument anymore. The Kings drafted him. Other players have had far better careers than him. But I didn't think this organization was done with him. And my whole belief, too, when he wasn't starting or coming off the bench in the immediate rotation, to me, wasn't an indictment on his future here. It was on the present. They felt they were better off with continuity in that front of that starting five with Mo Harkless than with Marvin Bagley. And then playing Tristan Thompson or Alex Len as a big off the bench and playing the guards. I think it all made sense. It may not have to Marvin. I'm sure feelings were hurt. Egos were bruised. Makes all the sense to me there, but prove a, prove them wrong. Prove us all wrong. Prove the Luca people wrong. Whoever it is, whoever's bothering you, prove them wrong. Because you do stuff like this, you're getting yourself closer to someone that in two years from now, are you in the league? And I would have never thought that would be the case for Marvin Bagley. Never. I wasn't a, hey, look, Marvin's going to be better than, just wait, give him 10 years. I wasn't that person, but I would say, you have to give him every opportunity to stay healthy, which for right now, of all things, the irony is he is. And here's an opportunity to get in the game. And if he refused to go in before, I'm sure last night had to be either some sort of communication between coach and player that we're either not going to call on you or he was the only player on either team that didn't play yesterday, the only one in a game that got as much as a 25-point deficit. So, doghouse, whatever, it's all warranted. But what what's next? What's next? And it's so frustrating because for a team that 
we use the word trying to change the culture, trying to, I think there's so many more things that are encouraging and positive and going in the same direction. And then something like this from a player like Marvin Bagley, who whether or not the name or the draft pick status is still attached to him, because let me just pick a player. It doesn't even matter who I pick. Someone else off that bench. Or guys that get shuttled up and down between the G League. It, or, let's see, Damian Jones. If he refused to go in, you think he's on the Kings anymore? Jemias Ramsey refused to go in. Is he on the Kings anymore? So there's a little bit of name status and still maybe perceived value, not in his talent, but in what his contract could warrant attached with something else that may be causing reservations on on doing something drastic like cutting or waving. But it's an awful situation. It's one that I don't think is impacting the team, I don't think. It's just a terrible look, and it's all falling on Marvin Bagley. And maybe the organization could do things differently with him currently. Can't change the past, but this isn't helping Marvin's image. Doesn't seem to be a bad guy. But that I think he's listening to the wrong people. I think he always has. It makes me wonder just even about his past. What it was at three different high schools. So it was were you not getting your way at different part uh, times? And I, I just it's a bad look. It's a bad look all the way around, and doesn't need to be a distraction that this team is going through. And maybe it's just as easy. All right, then the the immediate thing is just don't even count him on the roster. And that's only damaging his own career, which is too bad for him. A couple other things NBA before we get to the uh, NFL, because there's plenty of news there. Last night in the league, some interesting games, including the Warriors winning again, 123-110, to some amazing, amazing highlights in that game. Three or four just great dunks by the Warriors. Anthony Edwards, uh, for a bad Timberwolves team, had a his best game as a pro, almost went for 50, had 48. Lakers and Heat played a game that went back and forth. Westbrook back to his triple-double ways, still playing without LeBron. Lakers got, I think it was their seventh win. Uh, Suns stay hot. Remember, they were 1-3 and three after the Harrison Barnes game winner. They've now won six in a row and put the Blazers into tie with the Kings at a team that's below 500 at 5-7. and seven. The Kings' next opponent, the Oklahoma City Thunder, took on the Pelicans in a game someone has to win. But you know the Thunder playing a little bit better, and they're pesky. They're, they, they truly are young. When people say, oh, the Kings are young, I don't think the Kings are that young. I really don't. Um, but the Pelicans and Thunder, Thunder win. That's three in a row for the Thunder. They were one and six. They've beaten the Lakers, the Spurs, and the Pelicans in back-to-back-to-back games. So good for them. Josh Giddy, I'm actually in, uh, giddy to see him. He uh, nearly had a triple-double. So that's another game that I uh, will be intrigued by tomorrow. Also yesterday, Chris, our linear championship was at stake, right, with the Wizards and the Cavs. And I was, we were really hoping for the Cavs win. Because you had a great sounder. We yes. played it yesterday. So? So? Oh, oh, hold on. Yeah, this is on you. So? I don't know the result. I can't remember. What? The winner of this bout, and still, five to Wiz, and nobody beats me. And still champion, the Wiz. Nobody beats them. Yeah, nobody beats the Wiz. They are still linear 
champions. Uh, to, they've defended it three times, which yes. is a record so far this season. It's, it, it was moving around. It was hot potato for a while, but the Wiz get it again, and uh, they defend that title. So they currently have it. Their next game, I believe, is tomorrow. Uh, let it's me the Magic? Uh, oh, they don't play tomorrow. Got to go till Saturday to find the – it is the Magic? Yes. The Magic is who the next game. So they might defend it for a few more here. Tonight in the NBA, uh, just starting the Raptors and the Sixers, Pacers and the Jazz, and then the Heat and the Clippers. All right, let's get into the NFL. Lots of storylines there today, as we mentioned. Thursday Night Football coming up. It's the Ravens and the Dolphins in Thursday Night Football here at 5. Cam Newton has returned on a deal with the Carolina Panthers. This one, I will say, surprised me. I had said when Cam got cut loose by the Patriots, I thought he was done. And my reasoning behind that was Cam sure has the feel, the look, as a number one pick, former MVP, tons of success in the league as a guy that is the guy. He wants to start. He's not comfortable, I don't think, as a backup. I think there's a lot of pressure, especially if as a backup, you're probably coming in behind either someone that's young or someone that's already established. I don't think there's kind of any middle ground where there's a debate like, hey, should it be Cam or this guy? Um but the young guy is an organization who they're trying to, you know, draft early and build behind or the proven player that you're just an emergency behind and you're not going to play. I just didn't see Cam doing those situations, but he is back. He signs a deal with the Carolina Panthers. So an organization that knows him, that brings him back as he rejoins them on a thin quarterback group, right? They have the injury to Sam Darnold. So Cam is back. Let's see if I can get the terms of this. Uh, let's see. They're bringing it back for the sequel. And it looks like it's on a one-year deal. The deal is worth up to $10 million for the remainder of the season, including $4.5 guaranteed and a $1.5 million roster bonus. That's according to reports. So I don't know what Cam has left. He certainly has always been just such an impressive physical specimen and still was a good runner with New England. His arm was dead. He had nothing. He had no juice on those out patterns, those downfield looks. He couldn't do it. He just didn't have the arm. So this feels like more of an emergency, more of a thank you, a a tip of the cap too to Cam for all the years that he did give the organization. And they're kind of scratching his back here saying, look, you took care of us. We'll bring you back. We're going to take care of you here. And kind of out of necessity, we're so injured. I think P.J. Walker's getting an opportunity with uh, Sam Darnold's injury, but Cam will be right there, probably next in line once he gets comfortable. And Matt Rule has said really good things about him, but we'll see what Cam can provide that very thin quarterback room for the Panthers. Now, the other move that happened today that a lot of people were waiting on and anticipating and wondering where he would go, it's Odell Beckham Jr. And he brings his name, his kind of brand and star power, his deep threat ability to the Rams. The Rams are just going for it. And this sense, this is something to me that is low risk for the Rams potentially high reward for a team that is just loaded with superstars. And if it's possible for a name like Odell Beckham Jr. to join a team and just slip into the background, it's with the Rams. And I didn't really even think about them as a possibility. I don't think a lot of people didn't think about them as a possibility. It's already a good team filled with star power, a good offense, a good receiving group. I mean, you go to the edges of it with Van Jefferson. He's not bad. Robert Woods, very good. Cooper Cup's having an amazing season. 
And after clearing waivers, when he was released by the Browns, he's got his new home. And we had talked about the other day, even teams like Seattle, but certainly New England, Kansas City, New Orleans, Green Bay, as teams that were looking for him. Uh, instead, it's Sean McVay, Matt Stafford, the Rams that bring in Odell Beckham. Uh, let's see. There's some quotes today. Uh, let's see. From Stafford, it's an opportunity for us as a team. It's an opportunity for him to come in here and prove himself to us. What our room is about in the receiver room is pretty special. I know he'll fit right in and continue to get better and hopefully help us as a team. When I think about this, I think about what I had said earlier about the division. The division is already loaded. The 49ers now, a team that I thought could be at the top of this division, is looking at Kyler Murray returning and the Niners missing that opportunity to beat Colt McCoy this last weekend. But Kyler Murray coming back. Russell Wilson is coming back. And the Rams in the last two weeks have added Vaughn Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. Meanwhile, the 49ers are doing what? Here's some quotes today from Kyle Shanahan about a report that was out there, I think, from Mike Silver, who's covered the league a long time, insinuating that people inside the camp of the 49ers were bragging about Trey Lance, but since has regressed from training camp. And remember the reports we were talking about. People going out of their way to rave about Trey Lance. Here's what Kyle Shanahan had to say about that. Yeah, he's gone up. He's gone down, just like every player in here. So when someone has a report that he had a really good first week of training camp, he did have a really good first week of training camp. He also had a good fourth week, a good third week. I can't remember exactly how it goes. So there's probably some accuracy to that report, which I think would be accurate with every player on our team. They're in different spots. The Rams are adding superpower weapons, and whether or not Odell Beckham Jr. helps them drastically, a lot of this is about not image, but what you are doing to the belief of the locker room. Every single player on the Rams knows what the organization thinks of their current team, that they're really, really good, and they want to give them every possibility to win the Super Bowl. This doesn't guarantee it. Neither did Von Miller. Neither did their old roster they had. Neither did getting Stafford. Why'd you get Stafford? Because you thought it would make you better. Why'd you get Von Miller? Because you thought it would make you better. Why did you get Odell Beckham Jr.? Same thing. You think you're going to be better. And you're already a very good football team. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to keep maintaining this, that as a player in a locker room like that, when you add someone that doesn't cost you a current player or if it's anything future draft picks, I think players love that because future draft picks is either something current players can't see. They may not be on the team anymore. Uh, It may be someone that replaces them. But when you maintain your current job on that team and additions are brought to you to help you at your role or help your team win, oh, man, players love that. Locker rooms love that. And... It just feels like they've got all the toys. Certainly more pressure, right? But they're they're welcoming that. Would you rather be that team right now 
or the 49ers? I know who I'd rather be. And it's not like the 49ers don't have talent, but the Rams keep adding talent. And I know it potentially could be headaches. I don't think this will be. I actually think this is a really good spot for Odell Beckham Jr. And like I said, if there is such a thing as adding him, that name, that presence to a team that he may just fade away into the background and some gays go, oh, wow, Odell Beckham had five catches for 63 yards and two touchdowns. I can see it. And then another week, two targets, a catch, 11 yards, and the Rams just keep rolling right along. You'd rather be the Rams than the Niners, but would you rather be the Niners than the Kings? Kings. Um, hmm. Would I rather be the Niners than the Kings? It's so early in the NBA season, I feel like the Niners are going down a road that they are getting very, very close to Trey Lance, which is something that when I've seen Chris, I guess my point is this. I'm thinking about almost the wrong things here, what social media says about the teams. Because I think there's people that uh, say Kyle Shanahan should be on, um, you know, his job should be on high alert right now. I don't think that's happening for that team because Kyle Shanahan, who makes the personnel decisions along with John Lynch, they made the big move to get Trey Lance, and right now that's still incomplete. So I think they're going to get every opportunity. Let's say they lose to the Rams this weekend, this Monday, which I believe they will, and get a little bit further behind, and then depending on how the rest of the season goes. But let's assume it kind of goes this direction, so that's going to be about, what, seven wins, ten losses, uh, something like that, and out of the playoffs. Not what anybody's expectations were, not what I thought they would be, but I think they would be brought back because at that point you're now moving into what you had ushered in and what you believed you wanted to do and what these guys' decision was was to bring in Trey Lance. So I think they're going to get every opportunity to have a full season with him, which would be next year. But so I guess long answer there, I was thinking about what people are saying and then the Kings, you know, every night they lose, everybody wants everything to go. (laughs) It's just crazy. Um at this moment, believe it or not, I'm more optimistic about the Kings. Okay. Yeah. At this moment. And I was a very big believer in the 49ers going into the year. But now it just feels like I look at what's around them. Part of that, too, is what's around the Kings. If I keep maintaining that five teams in the West are basically already eliminated, the Kings are in the field. The Niners aren't going to be there, in my opinion, right now, unless things dramatically change. And it's tough to do it. It's possible, but I think good for the Rams, good for the locker room, good for the perception of what this does to that team, and they are going to be a tough, tough team to beat. And so Niners have really good knowledge in their game prep for this team, but the Rams are just so loaded. It's going to be fun to see how that plays out. If you look at the other games this weekend, we mentioned Ravens and Dolphins tonight coming up here on KHDK, you've got some games that have some really large point spreads, but it makes you wonder a little bit like last week where the things we thought were obvious picks didn't play out that way. Cowboys at home for the Falcons. Saints and Titans, a little bit of an intriguing game to me. I think one of the best games this weekend, believe it or not, is the Browns and the Patriots. Based on both teams being 5-4, and four, both teams certainly in the AFC playoff picture mix, and you know both kind of have been forgotten a little bit here. 
and here they are above 500. Season still could go very, very well for both of them. What can they figure out here? And the fact that I thought the Bills were going to absolutely run away with the division. Patriots are right there on their heels now. Buffalo with three losses, an unexpected one last week to Jacksonville, has left that door open in the AFC East. I think some other games of intrigue. Seahawks and Packers is much more interesting now in Lambeau because of Russell Wilson's return. We mentioned the Rams and Niners on Monday night, and then, of course, the Sunday night game. Uh, it's Can the Raiders beat the Chiefs again? They did last year, but can they do it again and take advantage of this Chiefs team that's just it's just underperforming of what they've been, and maybe this is the team that they really are now. Hey, it's time to get a new mattress. Shop local at Sleep First. Break time for us. Still more to get to. In fact, when we come back, we're going to talk to the new head basketball coach at Sacramento State, Brandon Laird. He's very familiar with the program. He's been around in the area for a long, long time, but now he's the one calling the shots for the program over there for the Hornets. Brandon Laird visits with us next here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Jason Ross here with you. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. As we take you till 5 o'clock, it will be Thursday Night Football. The Ravens and the Dolphins still to come. We've got a final half hour here. We're going to be efforting to check in with the head basketball coach at Sacramento State, Brandon Laird. We're going to get the very latest with him. He takes over, uh, takes over for Coach Katz, who had done such a great job there in that program for so long. And kind of a surprising uh, departure. He stepped down right before the season started. And his right-hand man was Brandon Laird. Brandon's getting an opportunity here, which is really cool. And I'm sure he's going to thrive there. And they've started out with a win. They're 1-0. and They're going to be back in action here soon. And uh, we're going to get a chance to catch up with him in just a moment. That's the new head coach over at Sacramento State, and that is Brandon Laird. So we will visit with him momentarily. And, oh, we got him now. So let's do it. We're going to check in with the new coach. I know that probably always sounds good. Brandon Laird, head coach over at Sacramento State. Coach, how are you? Coach, you got us? Jason, I'm here. Oh, Sorry for the technical difficulties. No problem. How, how are things? Awesome. How are you? I'm <laughs> doing great. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, I found out the news. I was a little surprised. You're obviously closer to all of this. Uh, you're getting ready for a season. You, you, you're kind of going in thinking one thing, and then, boom, here's news about Coach Katz, someone you work so closely with, and then, bang, the job is yours. How did that all land to you and kind of keep you moving here so quickly into the season? Well, first and foremost, we were all shocked. You know, this is something that nobody knew about. And, you know, first and foremost, all of our thoughts and and concerns immediately went to Coach Katz and and his family. But we played Simpson on a Thursday night, and Coach Katz uh, brought us all in Friday morning and and broke the news to the staff and and to the team. And, And, again, we immediately were concerned for him and then there was shock and then there was all right well how are we going to move forward and uh you know at that point our athletic director mark or uh, really helped us stabilize the program and showed a lot of support and myself and our staff and and the guys and over the next 48 to 72 hours we we regrouped and and now we're you know doing our best to move forward and i don't know for i mean you've been a head coach before you were that at menlo you've been in this program so long so you knew all the players there's some there's some comfort there so how much 
would you say, Brandon, was the transition for you to go, all right, well, I'm the guy now, let's let's go. Like, how much of a transition is that really for you? I, I, honestly, Jason, I think it's still a work in progress. You know, I've, I have had a hand in recruiting each of these young men, and I certainly have had a hand in coaching them. And, and Coach Katz, I've, I've worked side-by-side side with him all these years, and he's empowered me. But there still is the adjustment of moving to a head coach, and, and now the players are looking at me differently, and, <laughs> and, the, and the dynamics of the relationship can get a little bit different. But what I would say is the guys in the locker room have just been tremendous. They have really rallied around each other, and they've, they've really come together as one, and they've really supported uh, myself and our staff in, in this process, and, and we're going to hold on to that. I thought it was cool the other night. You got the win at first game. You guys actually had an incredible start against William Jessup and then cruised to victory. But the video that was out post-game, uh, players were very supportive of you, gave you the game ball. Um, I don't know. To me, I was touched watching it. How was that, uh, getting that feedback from the players? Unbelievable. I had no idea. You know, I just – I'm speechless even now. And, and I told the guys, you know, th- I told the guys, thank you. You know, they made this uh, very memorable – moment uh, for me and I had no idea that was coming and again it was an emotional 72 to 96 hours for everyone involved in the program and I think it was just a great release for all of us to to celebrate um, the first win of the season and to celebrate us being together and again the way that um, they you know, help, helped me through this was something that, that I'll never forget. And I and I told the guys that, and, and I was just really, really appreciative and grateful for that. I know you wanted their signatures on that ball, that momentous ball, but also <laughs> keep their grimy hands off there. Did you get, the, you get a nice, clean signature palette there? Yeah, I made sure. They actually uh, – it's funny. They didn't actually sign it till this morning. So okay. <laughs> it's in the, it's in the locker room now or uh in in my office now. It's got all the signatures on it and it's uh it's fingerprint free. <laughs> We're talking to head coach Brandon Laird over at Sacramento State. So you've just begun. You got to win. Uh what do you got? I know you can't have full analysis of your team until you really get in 10 15 games, but what do you think you have in this current roster getting ready to to really get your season going? I'll tell you what, Jason. We have really loved this group from day 1. We've been really excited about them. They are a group of high-character young men. They're extremely coachable, and they're extremely competitive, and that's a great starting point. That carries over onto the court. Uh, We're going to pressure teams defensively. We're going to do a great job on the boards. We want to get out and transition. And then offensively in the half court, we we think we're a good passing team, and we think we have a lot of depth and a lot of interchangeable parts, and we love our versatility. And we want to use that combination of qualities kind of game in game out to put ourselves in the best position to win I, I again I think this is one of the the deepest teams we've had and and one of the most athletic teams we've had and one of the most quickest teams we've had in the last 11 years I've been here and and so we're going to try to put all those qualities out there and, and I'll tell you what our guys every night are going to compete and and we say it in the locker room every day before practice and every day before we go out on the game we just want to be the most energetic, the most connected, the most fearless, the most aggressive group every single night. And and so far, I know it's just one game, but the guys have brought that in practice every day. We've been very consistent with that. I thought they showed that um, certainly in the first half against William Jessup. And, and that will just be our goal moving forward no matter who we play. What's the benefit, Coach, of the interchangeable parts and the depth you're talking about? I mean, I picture – 
being able to switch a lot of things defensively, be able to get up and down the floor maybe more rapidly. What, what to you is the benefit of, of that depth and, and the interchangeable parts that you have? Well, we think we can play big. We think we can play small. We think we can play in the open court. We think we can play in the half court. Mm. And, and we can switch things defensively. We can pressure the ball defensively. And offensively, uh, we have a lot of different parts, and we're going to try to, to utilize those parts. And you have a guy like you know Bryce Fowler, who's six seven and can play on the perimeter, can play inside. You have you know a, a lot of different moving pieces to, to play around him. And again, we just we want to be creative. Uh, we want to try to find advantages offensively and attack those advantages. And when you have so many interchangeable parts and so many guys that can dribble, pass, and shoot that it's going to give us a, a great opportunity to put some points on the board and a great opportunity every night to, um, again, to, to compete and put ourselves in position to win. I'm looking at the uh, schedule. Of course, you got the daunting big sky, but before that, you've got, you've got some Pac-12 games, uh, Oregon State, Arizona, and the one up next. And the coaches always look at the next one, Utah, Saturday. What does what the schedule like that do for you as you uh, get ready for the big sky? Well, certainly – it, it presents a challenge for us. You know, when anytime you're, you're playing a Pac-12 school, the, the first thing and the immediate thing <laughs> that you see is the size. <laughs> uh, you know, Utah played Abilene Christian the other night and had 22 offensive rebounds. So we're, we're hitting each other this morning. We're talking about blocking out, and, and it just presents a, a different challenge. But these are the type of games that will prepare us for Big Sky. And, and like I said, we're going to go in there and compete, and we're going to be fearless, and, and we've got to find a way to combat that size. And, and again, maybe use our, our quickness and, and our depth to, to try to combat that in some different ways. Utah is going to be a great challenge for us. And then we turn around and travel right to uh, Cal Poly. That's a great Big West opponent. And so I think the next couple games will kind of give us a gauge in terms of where we are early in the season. And we'll kind of keep taking it game by game and, and week by week here to develop our team. You know, we have – nine eight or nine new guys in the program uh we have a ton of freshmen that are playing uh, we say this all the time we have kind of some seasoned veterans and then we have some some young guys with a lot of youthful exuberance and and again those are part of the dynamics of our team that we're really embracing and it's just part of it that, that makes this group really fun talking with brandon laird basketball coach at head basketball coach at sacramento state uh you talk about dynamics how about just from the coaching staff obviously you slide over a chair that's in a very important move um Behind you, does that all kind of go as well? Other assistants have kind of had to elevate their role under you? Everyone in the program has had to kind of get a, p- a bigger piece of the pie, so to speak, and everyone's really had to rally around each other uh, to make this work. And, and, again, so far we've done a good job with that, and that's something that we discuss every day. Of This is um, you know something that we have to continue to kind of adapt and adjust as we move forward and, and figure out our roles. It's funny, you know, we were – sat down before the game on Thursday and it was myself and Sam Kirby and Nate Smith and, and AJ writing. And it's the four of us now. And we said, okay, well, how are we going to do this? <laughs> you know, uh, who's, who's tracking fouls and, and who's doing what? And, and here we are going into our first game and, and, you know, literally 12 hours before the game we're we're kind of mapping out how, how that's going to work and what that's going to look like. And those guys have been awesome. You know, they're, they're tremendous coaches. Um, and, and again, they've picked up the slack and everyone in the locker room has done a great job of, of supporting each other. And it's a, it's a little bit of a work in progress, but we're figuring it out. If you were able to look at yourself, coach, and I know that's hard, but you guys evaluate tape. Are you taking things from your high school coach at El Camino, from Coach Williams at Davis, from Coach Katz, everybody? Like, how do you think you've, you've grown to become this head coach? Who, who molded you the most, would you say? Uh, a little bit of everybody. 
and and that's the truth. And I think about this a lot. Um, had so many people, so many points of contact along my coaching journey that people have helped me out, and I've had so many different mentors and and so many different people. But at the end of the day, I, I do want to be you know my own man, and I want to be my own you know my own person and and my own head coach with my own style. Um, so. I've had a lot of people that have helped me, but I think I've also, over the last 20 years, begin prepping myself and thinking about what I would do in these situations, and and I want to put my own stamp on it. Brandon, I, you and I have a similarity in the sense that we both went to Davis and we've both been connected to Sacramento State for so long. I heard a lot about that early on. I don't really as much anymore. Is that is that kind of faded away? I know you got the Aggies in a week or so, but is that is that fade away? How are you working at Sac State when you went to Davis? Did you, did you hear that a lot early on? Uh, I get it, and I, and I still get it sometimes. But I tell everyone, and and I think most everybody knows this. I'm I'm a Sacramento guy, you know, mm-hmm. born and raised. And if people don't know the story, and and I I do share this part of the story as well. Uh, you know, when I graduated from El Camino High School in 1996, I actually I walked into Don Newman's office, and I said, Hey, yeah, I'd love to come to Sac State. I'd love to walk on, and and I tried to be a Hornet, uh, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't the right time and and the right opportunity. And Coach Williams, who was at, I did the same thing with Coach Williams, uh, who was at UC Davis at the time, and, and he gave me that opportunity, and I had a tremendous experience with Coach Williams. Um, but to but to kind of circle back, yeah, I'm I'm born and raised right here in Sacramento. You know, I'm a I'm a Carmichael kid, and like mm-hmm. I've been telling everyone, I'm just I'm just a Sacramento kid living my dream. This is my dream job. I love Sacramento. I love Sacramento State. You know, Dr. Nelson and and the athletic director, Mark Orr, have, have done a tremendous job of building a winning athletic department and winning programs, and I want to be a part of that as, as long as I can. That's awesome. I always remind every time I see Coach Williams, I try to do the same and walk on at Davis, but he cut me, which was the right move, <laughs> which was the right move. I have to give him credit for that. Um, yeah. You talk about uh, you know that you're in the right spot. This is what you want to do. i, I got to ask you about this. It's so funny that uh, Sac State did a great job putting out, uh, you know, get to know Coach Laird. And you know what I'm going to ask you. It's the last piece and I went, wait, what? Coach Laird, really, your your secret talent or really what you love to do? You want to be a magician? Is this real? Hey, a good magician never reveals his secrets, right? <laughs> so are you good? I guess we'll have to find out here at some point. I know the guys in the locker room are already waiting for me to bring some tricks in, so I'm, I'm already getting hit up on it. So that- I'll just have to... I'll have to pull the uh, rabbit out of the hat at the right time. <laughs> that is awesome. That is absolutely awesome. Well, Coach Laird, congratulations on this opportunity. I know you'll crush it. Uh, great start so far. You got Utah this weekend. Look forward to talking to you uh, and uh, wishing you best of luck as the season goes on. Jason, uh, thanks so much. And and I have to say the the support from uh, Sacramento State, the support from the Sacramento community, and the support from our, our Sacramento State basketball fans has been incredible. You know, everybody – is concerned about Coach Katz, and he's mm-hmm. going to be okay moving forward. And and we love Coach Katz, um, but but again, I, I you know the the support. Uh, I just ask everybody to come out, watch this team play. You'll love watching them. It's going to be a great year, and we're just really grateful for for yourself and for everyone else who's reached out and, and helped us during this transition. Well, thank you. Best of luck. Congratulations on the opportunity, and uh, again, best of luck this weekend. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. That's the new coach over at Sacramento State, Brandon Laird. And, yeah, going to try to just keep that program going. That's a tough move right before the start of the season. But first game, just dominant against William Jessup. Now they get to Utah this weekend, and they'll just try to keep things rolling. they got that Causeway basketball version game coming up in a couple of weeks as well.
All right, thank you to Coach Laird. We will take the break here. we got one final segment before we get you to Thursday Night Football. It'll be the Ravens and the Dolphins. That is all coming up right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Here on Sports 1140 KHDK. You know who this is? Um, yes. Uh, Boys Don't Cry is. I want to. Okay, I think I'm going to be wrong. It's The Cure? Hey! Oh! Okay. With lead singer. Isn't it a really common name? Yes. Smith, something Smith. You're almost there. I, I don't know. His friends call him Bobby Smith. Robert Smith? Hey, okay. look at you. Okay. Big music guy over Huge here. Huge cure guy. I got the cure. Um, thanks again to Brandon Laird, head basketball coach over at Sacramento State, for joining us. Uh, we do have Thursday Night Football coming up here in just a moment. The Ravens at the Dolphins. But we do have to get the the crossover from the morning show. Let's see what they got for us today. What's happening on the Carmichael Dave Show? Let's find out right now with the crossover. Here's today's crossover. Jason Ross, happy Thursday. End of the week is almost here for you. It is the crossover. Uh, Chris had pointed out to me that Dave hasn't sent one either all week or once, so I thought I would do one as Dave. Here we go. <clears throat> oh, hey, Jason, crossover time. So congratulations. You just won a vacation, but it's to one of the two places the Kings are going to play in over the next few days. Would you rather take your vacation in Detroit or Oklahoma City? As always, show your work and have a good rest of your show. I mean, I got to say... Great Carmichael Dave impersonation. Not even worth answering. It's just worth airing that again. That was fantastic. Um, oh, boy. Okay. I've been to both places, only with the Kings. Oh, no, not true. Detroit with the Monarchs. Um, there's got to be more to do in Detroit, but vacation? Oof. Um, wow. Oklahoma City with a question mark? No. Detroit. Detroit. Easy. Um, what I don't like about Oklahoma City, the couple times I've been there, uh, I talked about the bat yesterday, Chris, in San Antonio having that issue. I think it's been, I think I've done three OKC games, and two of the three, they've uh, sounded the alarm, more so during the earlier part of pregame, and we had to go into the equivalent of the media room, which they closed the doors. It's kind of like a basement because of um, tornado warnings. And I will say one of the times I was on a flight with the Kings, I was about as nervous as could be. The the I sit in the back, of the, or I was sitting in the back of the plane at that time, and they said, we've got to uh, we got to go like quickly because we're trying to beat the tornado. And I'm thinking, you know what? We can we can wait. We can wait this one out. Like if it, and I I could remember hearing the people in the back going, I don't think this is the best idea. The flight attendants, I went, you know, they have a really good pulse of what's going on, and we had one of the best. It was rocky as could be to get up and through whatever we had to get through. But once we got cleared, 
the one of the best lightning shows I've ever seen. I mean, we were above it and across. It just it was really amazing, but it was a little um, nail biting, I would say, and uh, white knuckling to take off there. So yeah, I guess Detroit. Detroit's probably the answer. Go to Detroit. Just have to cross the river into uh, Canada. Okay. But great. Uh, what? How would you rate uh, Jay's Carmichael Dave impression? One to ten. Nine. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Loved it. All right. That's it for us. We do have Thursday Night Football coming your way next. It is the Ravens and the Dolphins. And it's right here on Sports 1140 KHDK.